This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. And we are here today to talk about sexually surviving breast cancer. It's October. And this is a very serious topic, but we have a lot to say about it. And I have a lot of hope about this. Yeah, and Lori, I think a lot of people would not naturally connect surviving breast cancer to sexual issues. Help us make sense of that. What would the, you're, what is, you're what's the connection right. there? You're absolutely right. I think that, unfortunately, breast cancer survivors, women with breast cancer, do not realize how many sexual side effects they're going to have mm. because of treatment other than the gross wound of losing their breast, yeah. which is, right, an amputation in the most intimate way. So yeah. we know... That's a horrible wound. And I will say breast cancer survivors often tell me that somebody with huge insensitivity has said to them, well, you know, you lost your breast, but you still have your life. And I mean, it's it's like female it, castration. Yeah, it's a know? loss. It's a significant loss. Right. It's, yeah. it's awful. But I also think that for women, the treatment options include drugs that change their hormone composition. So yeah. and we'll talk about that maybe as we go. But basically... Tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitors, they work a little bit differently. Tamoxifen is used for pre-menopausal women and aromatase inhibitors for postmenopausal women. Sometimes they also have tamoxifen. But those drugs essentially bind with hormones. I'm not sure of the exact mechanism, but they absorb the estrogen in the body. Okay. And so the woman is instantly nearly medically menopausal. So she goes from, especially for like, I mean, the injury for a young 38-year-old breast cancer survivor is she may lose both breasts, which is an arousal pattern and pathway. Now she's on a drug and her body feels like a 62-year-old woman, you know, so she has no desire because a woman needs... Her libido is lowered. Her libido is, is gone. Her breasts are gone. And now sex hurts. You know, so it's this gigantic so go, problem. So it goes from being really enjoyable to being really painful. Exactly. And not exactly. let alone just not wanting to and have it. And not wanting it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So when does that typically start? Does that know that there's treatment before mastectomy and afterwards as well? Mm -hmm. So when does all that begin to happen generally in the course of treatment? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first sex-robbing problem with breast cancer is just the cancer diagnosis. You know, we're so, I mean, even the word cancer is just, it evokes fear in us, you know, and that fear when it's happening to you can just, you know, it's like all systems shut down except for survival. And and sex for many women is something that they do when they feel relaxed. They mm-hmm. do that when everything else is done. And suddenly, if you feel like your very life is at risk, the list just got longer of what you want to accomplish. The things that are important to you may be very, very different. You know, I got to clean out my house. I got to, you know, write diaries to the children. I, you know, I don't have any time for this relaxed moment of pleasure. Yeah, and fear and anxiety yeah. have got to shoot through the roof as well. They do, which are big time sex inhibitors. Right, and yeah. oftentimes doctors, in an effort really to help the women cope with panic attacks and fear, they'll give them an SSRI, which is an antidepressant. And I don't think we've talked about this very much on this show. But antidepressants, one of their properties, essentially, especially the SSRI type, is that it grabs libido, it lowers libido, and it makes orgasm harder. Mm -hmm. So here she's in fear. I mean, right from the beginning, there are Mm -hmm. issues that impact her sexuality and her sexual feelings. There's just a lot of things that are working together. It sounds almost like a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. It uh, is to reduce, a perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah. To reduce sexual feeling and sexual connection between her and her partner. And, you know, I think men as well, they're terrified. They might lose their wife. They don't know, you know, what this means necessarily. Neither one of them knows. Sometimes the doctor doesn't know. And, you know, even if yeah. it's a bad diagnosis, he doesn't know if she's going to, you know, be some sort of have some sort of luck on her side and. Even if it's a good diagnosis, there's with particular types of breast cancer, recurrence is possible. And so tremendous fear in both the woman and in her partner. So it's really a crisis for for the couple. Yes. It's it's very obviously very personal for Uh the woman, but it's a crisis for the couple as well. And living under that crisis, sex tends to take a back seat. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this is something that's not talked about early enough, but it is a sexual crisis for the man as well. I mean, especially if he's a breast guy, you know, and he's loved her breasts and suddenly she's going to lose him. He too is going to lose a pathway of arousal. And that may for him feel so utterly selfish to think about, you know, like how could I be thinking about the loss of my enjoyment when she's going to go through this gross mutilization but the truth is he loses something, and yeah. and it's painful. And oftentimes they have no way to talk about that. Oh, yeah. How can you – know, How could you say that, that if you were so a man, difficult. right? difficult, yeah. Yeah, like if, exactly. If, if that was a thought, it's going to be very hard to vocalize or to even right. – uh, to bring up at right. all. Yeah, my husband had a prostate cancer scare, and one of the problems with prostate cancer is you lose your erections, basically, with the treatment and the surgery, and – He and I had been processing quite a bit together about this, but at some point I said to a friend of mine, you know, and he could lose his erections and that I I really feel that this is going to horribly impact our sexual life. And and my friend was like, you are so selfish to think that. I mean, he, he could have cancer and, you know, really shame me for any kind of 
desire for a continuing sexual relationship as I knew it, you know. Yeah. Fortunately, he didn't. But I think in that, too, it's important for the couple to remember that there's going to be lots of different thoughts like that, feelings mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And the feelings themselves, right, are not bad. I mean, that's, that's right. like the feeling of loss or the mm-hmm. feeling of what it's going to do to your sexual relationship. That's not the part that's necessarily damaging mm-hmm. to your relationship if you can be patient with one another in that because mm-hmm. there's going to be thoughts and feelings that the woman's going to go through that are going to that are going to be hard for the man to understand because it's not it's not him that is experiencing that. Would right. you agree with that? I do. I, and I think what you're saying is so powerful. You know, we are not our feelings. Yeah. And if we can ever observe our feelings and say, yeah, you know, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, but I am not anxiety. Yeah. I am just anxiety is coursing through my body. And it's almost like that tiny separate step of observation about our feelings gives us a measure of freedom. Yeah. You know, I am not what I think. And feelings pass. They pass through us. Even this terrible panic and fear will pass yeah. through me. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you said, you know, when does the sex disconnect happen? It's like right at the beginning. One of the things I tell couples is, A, I wish I could get to them sooner. And so I'm going to say this, and I don't know if you're going to skip this podcast because you don't have cancer or something. But if you know of somebody or if you ever had to go through this, you know, if there were a way to continue to make love during the process and to continue to give her pleasure, hmm. I mean, you're really preserving sex. During the treatment and during the process, if a man could unselfishly say it's a your night only, you know, mm. her night only, because so many women will give a quickie, right? It's like, oh, I'm not into it, but let's just go let's for it. it. Anyway. But he should give her orgasms because that preserves desire. It also relaxes her, gives her stress relief, especially if she doesn't have to think about it, think about reciprocating. I mean, that helps. And, and what happens throughout the stages is eventually by the time they get to me, you know, she's on a drug that has dried her vagina. They haven't had sex for a year. Oh, yeah. You know, because there's been treatment, maybe reconstruction, all that. Yeah. So, so the, that desire hasn't been fed like you're talking about in yes. that long yeah. as opposed to being intentional about it so that that doesn't happen is what I hear is exactly. what I hear you saying. Exactly. So if he can kind of keep her desire alive, that would be great. You know, maybe just comforting her, orgasms, foot rubs. Body rubs, rub anywhere it doesn't hurt because it hurts a lot of places when you have breast cancer. I mean, there's radiation, there's chemo, you know, all of that. Probably the other thing I see is it's very, very hard for survivors to talk about the loss of their breast, even, you know, and women kind of rate it. You know, some women, their breast is just changed because they have a lumpectomy. And they feel selfish because their girlfriend had double mastectomy. And, but any kind of change on your organ that is your sex organ, especially for females, it's our identifying sexual trait, yeah. you know, what the world sees, can be very traumatic. Yeah. We've used this word already, but the loss of that, that there's got to be a grief reaction too as well. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that gr- and everything that comes with grief. So right. anger. Bargaining. bargaining, like that getting to acceptance and that is going to take some time. Right. It takes quite a bit of process. Just the way, you know, people who lose a foot, you know, there's phantom pain, there's gross self-image wounding when you lose a part of your body. And when you lose a part of your body that's identified with your sexual pleasure, I mean, it's it's horrible. I, I say it's sort of like a Picasso effect. 
Hmm. You know, women who they saw themselves maybe as a Renoir or something, and and suddenly their body isn't doesn't even look like their body. It doesn't reflect what they have in their mind or the way right. that it's supposed to look. Right. So yeah. that's a huge process to go through. And I think, and then to think about the functioning of this new body is really tough. Well, I know this is a serious subject. It is October and... I will say for you who listen who are local, we're doing a sexual survivor day for breast cancer survivors, you know, how to survive breast cancer sexually intact. And you can call us at Awakenings to get an appointment. And we're spending a whole day. I think it's October 22nd. It's sort of later in the month. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, we'll be right back. This is Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. Wanting Sex Again, How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them, it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy, and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy improve your sex and improve your relationship with awakening center for couples and intimacy find out more at awakenloveandsex.com and sign up for their next couples retreat weekend hosted by Lori watson awakenloveandsex.com awaken what's possible it is one of my great joys in life to be able to really help 
individuals and couples find strength in their relationships and really find hope again. Licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews from Matthews Counseling. I work with a wide variety of issues, including depression and anxiety, marital issues, issues with adolescence. I believe that therapy should be designed around you, that it should be personalized to who you are and to your unique situation. Therapy is available in office, online, and by phone. I want therapy to be comfortable for everyone. At our office, you'll find that we sit around a fireplace in deep, comfortable chairs, look at the problem differently, and offer practical solutions for you to take home and utilize outside of the therapy room. Schedule today and rediscover hope. You can find me on the web at matthewscounseling.net. Matthews with one T. You can contact us through email or phone and find a lot of resources on our website, matthewscounseling.net. We're back with Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy and sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews talking about a really serious but important subject, how to sexually survive breast cancer. We've been talking about mastectomy and the loss of breasts. And yeah, that's, I mean, that is so significant, Lori, and such a big deal. I mean, I think about it. How do we get through that? How mm. does a woman get through that kind of deep loss, that deep yeah. kind of removal of something that's such an identifying part of her? How do we mm-hmm. begin to move through it in a healthy way? Well, I think you you talked about the stages of grief. And I think one really important stage is that she needs to rage. I mm-hmm. mean, she needs to rage like nobody's listening. Yeah. And that is often something that cannot be done with your family members and your loved ones yeah. because they don't know what you're going through. And they'll say the wrong thing and your friends will say the wrong thing. And it's like you need to be – to rail – at how unfair this is. And I think usually that's best done in a group of other survivors, you know, who really know what it's like, who get it, you know. And I think that you have freedom there to say this is so unfair and, you know, and talk about that where nobody's going to, you know, feel like they need to comfort you and that they're, you know, somehow or another have to contain this rage. It's like you got to get it out. Yeah. And that that seems to be – might be a place too where – kind of those unspoken selfish feelings or those feelings that seem selfish to us that we have a hard time vocalizing to our friends and family, to our partner, Mm -hmm. that it seems like that might be a place as well that she could say those things in a judgment-free zone. Yes, with women who get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, too, that one of the problems is who am I now as a sexual being? Mm. You know, that they have to somehow or another get through and redefine their sexual identity. Yeah, because you know? because the breast is so tied to femininity, femininity as you were talking yeah, about before. Exactly, exactly. And I think she has to struggle with what makes me female, mm-hmm. what makes me feminine, and that's just not something that most of us define. Yeah, I mean, certainly there are there are people who struggle with gender, right? Yeah, and in many ways. But I think when you have been decidedly female in your gender orientation, and yeah. then suddenly you lose your breasts. It's like, okay, but then how am I defined, you know? Yeah. And how will others see me? And that's not a that's not a quick – there's not a quick answer Mm-mm. to that, Mm-mm. is there? There isn't. Like that's going to be Mm-mm. a personal wrestling that – do you think that for a woman that she has to just embrace that 
that search or that wrestling? Like, is that is it? Right. Is it I know just leaning it's, into it's it? It's normal. Or? Yeah. 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 She has to go through that, and it's another darn thing she has to do. Mm. You know, like I mean, all of this. She thought she just had to survive the knife. Oh, you know, she yeah. had to survive the treatment, and now she has to survive psychologically. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a massive injury. Yeah. There's an obvious connection there between that identity loss and sex, right? Mm-hmm. And having to the difficulty of entering into a sexual relationship again or yes. um, reengaging sex or even maintaining sex if that's the identity crisis that you're that you're going through, right? That right. makes it super difficult. Absolutely. You know, I think we are socialized, right, as women to be responders and the object of desire. And we are in a breast-obsessed culture. I mean, America Mm. is breast-obsessed. And so if you're supposed to inspire desire in your partner and you don't have breasts, maybe pre-reconstruction or you've decided against reconstruction or they can't reconstruct the breast, there is like, am I even desirable? And if I'm not desirable, am I sexual? It's it's sort of like that if the tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it. Is there a noise? And it's like without breasts, if there's nobody or if I believe I'm not desirable, am I still sexual? Yeah. That seems to me to raise an issue about how that seems very partner dependent as well. Right? It, it seems is. like and a woman's partner can be very helpful in that mm-hmm. um, and very supportive in that. How does the partner do that from your perspective? How do they begin to be supportive of the woman in that kind of you know identity crisis? Mm-hmm. I, I think being a loving mirror. A mirror that says you are beautiful and literally mm-hmm. saying it, that the research shows that if a woman's partner says to her, you are beautiful to me post breast cancer mm-hmm. you know, or, or surgery, that is the number one healer of her sexual identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, she it, has somebody reflecting that back. Yeah, reflecting back that, that she is beautiful and sexual. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. I mean, it's so simple. We're not there yet, but prostate cancer survivors, too, if his female partner will say to him, you are virile, you know, that you are a man to me, regardless of the quality of his erection, that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, it would seem, too, that that might have to be restated multiple times, mm-hmm. that the partner might have to be persistent uh, yeah. <laughs> in saying, you're beautiful, because my guess is the woman this is, is not going to— re- the Yes, the, the breast cancer survivor is not going to receive that. Yes, at at first glance, at right. first brush, and there's hills and valleys. Time. Yeah, you know, and times she's going to need to hear it over and over. But I think it's that sense, especially when he looks at her. You know, the first time after surgery with scars and things like that. That's a moment that these women dread. Hmm. You know, like what is he going to see? You know, I can barely look at myself, or my, maybe haven't looked at myself. The first time I look at myself is going to be through his eyes. Yeah. You know, when I look at my new body, it's him looking at me. Yeah. yeah. So the partner so being aware of that. It's, it's an enormous, enormously important moment. Yeah. So, yeah. This is a tough subject. It's also one close to my heart. My sister is a breast cancer survivor. So, you know, I think about it a lot. I, I think sexually, too, just on a practical level, You know, women, when they lose their breasts and they lose their nipples, even with reconstruction, right, they never get the feeling back. They never get the nipple pathway back. Mm -hmm. And so for some women, the nipple pathway is nothing. But for other women, it's a huge pathway to actually technically get aroused. And without it, they just, um, 
you know, one more loss, mm. right? There are so many losses. Sometimes so, breast play alone actually can bring women to orgasm. And yeah. so if, if that is a pathway for that woman, like how do you begin to re-engage sexually? Like yeah. what's the, what's some avenues that the couple is going to have to go through to try to find what now is stimulating to find new pathways mm-hmm. to help her orgasm and help yeah. stimulate her. So I, I had a woman who was in a newer relationship post breast cancer. And, and one of the things I thought was lovely that the man asked was, where can I touch you? Where do you feel? Mm. You know, and, and she literally traced her finger over her body to show him, I have feeling here. I don't have feeling there. You know, you can touch me there, but I don't feel anything. You know, mm. and he really wanted to know where it was. And I think erotic pathways that maybe are unexplored, you know, but or are lesser could become take on more significance, like nibbling on her ear mm. or kissing her under her arm. I mean, there's lots of really erotic places that can be touched and be part of the sexual experience. And most of the time, you know, her genitals still are a pathway. But this is the big problem. I mean, we got to get to this is what do you do about all the things? And I, I think because of the drugs that they're using to treat, to prevent cancer from coming back or to minimize the secondary risk of a recurrence, is obviously the vagina is drier, so you need to use a lubricant every time. Okay. I recommend coconut oil because it's kind of um, a little thicker, so it prevents tearing and it, it makes it more comfortable. And I think that you know women with breast cancer, if they are becoming sexual again, they can't just jump into intercourse. They have to have, you know, stimulation, digital dilation. So that means the man has to put his fingers in her vagina, maybe the use of toys, dilators. She might have to see a PT. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of that can help sort of with the dryness and the atrophy. And I probably would say the last thing is, you know, redefine sex as pleasure, Mm -hmm. not as painful intercourse. And know that most of the time, you know, see a sex therapist we can get you through to something that is pleasurable, again, usually including intercourse. Yeah. Of all of that, Lori, that's, I mean, I think that's all good. I hope people go back and kind of make a list of all those right. things that you're saying because there's some intentionality that's going to mm-hmm. have to go into the sexual relationship mm-hmm. that maybe wasn't there before. You know, there's, it's going to be it's going to be a yeah. little it's going to be a little more work, but mm-hmm. that they can get that. But what do you think? I mean, what was the one takeaway if there was, was going to be one thing that breast cancer survivors and supporters of breast cancer survivors and mm-hmm. partners of breast cancer survivors were going to take away from what we've been talking about, what's the mm-hmm. one thing that you would say that would be? I think that there is hope to have a full erotic life again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. It's complicated and it's complex and it includes your psychology, your relationship, yeah. your body, you know, your survivorship. But all of it together, I mean, there are good people out there if you're across this nation. First of all, we'll do Skype consultation with you, too. So call us up again, October 22nd, Awakenings. We're doing a free half-hour consultation for breast cancer survivors. So thanks for listening. This is 4Play Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much.